If you've enjoyed listening to Travel and Shit, consider becoming a patron. As a supporter at the $3.99 a month tier, you get access to episodes ad-free and one week early. At $5.99 a month, you're at the family tier. At this tier, you get ad-free and early access, same as in the supported tier, but you also get a free travel and shit tea after six months of support, 50% off digital products and downloads, and 20% off merch. You also get a free digital bundle that includes the mindfulness workbook, solo travel planning course, packing lists, past itineraries, suggested travel gear, and more. The podcast will still be free. You don't have to pay to listen. But if you want to hear the episodes as soon as they're released, and if you want to show me and the show some love, please consider becoming a patron. For more information, go to travelandshitpodcast.com slash subscribe. I made it around the world And came back with stories to tell Different places to call home Now I'm never on my own Dietations to my people hitting foreign nations Food, traveling, shit, moving to live Life in the sky, stories to give The ones who make it there and can make it back Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. And getting straight to the point, beautiful people, we've got a beautiful guest. My guest, welcome, welcome, and thank you so very much for joining me today. Please introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My name is Sojourner. Yes, it means traveler. So this is very, very fitting. I'm a remote social work by passion and a digital storyteller. Actually, I'm sorry. That's the other way around. I'm a remote social work by (laughs) profession. That's what pays me. Okay. So I can travel and and a digital storyteller by passion. Uh, And I run a platform called Sojourneys where I help nine to fivers find freedom and flexibility outside the office, check off their career and bucket list dreams at the same time. Um, because I have too many student loans to be quitting my job to travel the world right now. So I gotta I gotta Earth. keep working and but still gonna make time for traveling. So what pray tell was the impetus to you saying that you wanted to not be location dependent? I think it really did start when I studied abroad in 2015. Okay. I studied Spanish in undergrad. And I almost got a D in the Spanish class. And so I was like, well, I don't need to go abroad because I've been learning Spanish since I was 11. It's, I was 20 at the time. So I decided I need to just go abroad because I'm tired of reading like 19th century literature and I mm-hmm. want to speak it. And so I think that experience of being gone for a semester, one, just introduced me to traveling abroad. I had never been out the country before then, but also two... I was like, how do people do this? Like, what are the different ways? So I got really curious about all the different career paths. And then eventually remote work kind of snuck its way in there. And so I've been working remotely as a social worker since I graduated in May 2020. I started my job that I still have in June 2020. Okay. So question for you. Before I get into like your early experience of travel, I mentioned to you earlier, um, selfish reasons. Hey, Bestie, she's a social worker. <laughs> so how did you become a remote social worker? 
Like, what is it? Because uh, my understanding, I guess this will be for clarity's sake. And this will also help. This is why I asked, right? For those of you that I think in the same train process, I mean, thought process. My understanding of a social worker is one, you've got the person that when something goes wrong with the kids, this is the person that they call. You assess the situation, mm -hmm. you meet with the families, and you kind of gauge what is the safest and the best resolution for everybody, all the parties involved. Also, when I think of a social worker, I think of a social worker as the person that goes to somebody's house and checks in with them and makes sure that they are um, like not conforming to, but like adhering to all of like the court directives that may be in case with any yeah. type of um, legal issues. Because honestly, you don't, I don't think, could be wrong. I don't think that you have a social worker unless one is like given to you. Other than that, the next thing that I'm thinking that like is, I don't know if congru congruous is the word, but is like kind of like in alignment with what a social worker would be to me is like, um, the therapist that isn't like a psychologist, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Like, I feel like do social workers also sometimes do like mental health work? Yeah, they definitely do. Like I was in grad school, so I don't have a bachelor's in social work. I studied psychology and Spanish. So I came from psychology, thought I was going to be a school psychologist, didn't like testing kids. So that mm -hmm. wasn't going to happen. Also wasn't a career that I thought I could travel with. For real, okay. for real, if I wanted to do that, I stumbled upon international social work. Another field had no idea existed, didn't know what it was, oh, and found this program. And through that program, I was exposed actually to macro social work. So what you're describing Ooh. is micro social work, which is the most traditional form that most people think of. CPS, okay. working with kids, foster care, et cetera. Right. But there's also meso and macro social work where we don't work directly, like individually with clients. So there's other forms of social work where we work at the organizational or institutional level. So mm -hmm. I'm actually a remote social worker, right? That's my background, but I'm a research and evaluation consultant. So I work at an organization of Black women where we are hired to do program evaluations, strategic planning, and we're primarily qualitative. So we're also non-traditional in the sense of we don't really do stats. Like I send out surveys and I create surveys, but really it's about focus groups, talking to people. And because we're a predominantly Black organization, like very Black space, people reach out to us to want to know how they're serving their Black clients, right? They're a Black okay. community like in, in the area. And so with that, we always tell them there's so many things that we cannot grasp from a survey. <laughs> like there are some, yeah. the, like the questions you're asking, you, you cannot grasp from a survey. So that's why we do the focus groups and interviews and workshops mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So I work more at the macro non-traditional form of social work, which is funny to me because most of my friends who I went to grad school with are in this macro space. So I don't have many friends who are actually therapists. So social work is changing. And I love being able to tell people that, hey, I'm a social worker who does not work with kids at all. Love the kids, support the kids. Wasn't my ministry, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm able to do different kinds of youth work, working with adults, working with organizations here as a macro social worker. So my title is officially like an evaluation strategist, okay. but I'd also do a lot of project management, but I say I'm a remote social worker because that's still what I do. And those skills right. I got actually from grad school, I happened to have a remote internship because for international work, I worked, I was in school in St. Louis 
but the company was in Berlin technically. So I worked with like the German team. So through mm-hmm. that experience, I got that remote social work experience before I even knew it was a thing I could do full time. I thought it was just like an internship right. situation. Come to find out it actually exists out here in the nine to five world. Holy fuck. Go figure. <laughs> I got a whole degree and shit. I ain't using it. I mean, you know, <laughs> have been got it a little bit better. So, but international social work is mm-hmm. that more just being aware of international differences that you would have to come across in social work, like focusing more cultural differences? No, I don't know. yeah, essentially. So you still get a master's in social work. Um, mm-hmm. I went to the Brown School at Washington University in St. Louis for okay. it, and so it's a mouthful of a school, <laughs> but that's where I went to school and. My concentration was international development. So at school, at at the Brown School, you pick a concentration. And that was the one that I chose because I had lived abroad by that time. I had done Fulbright and I also did AmeriCorps back home in Milwaukee. And I was looking for a program that kind of gave me the best of both worlds. Like I could talk about race and all that kind of stuff, but I also wanted that international focus. And so this program kind of blended both of them together. So I studied international development for my concentration and then social entrepreneurship for my specialization. And that's really how I got into this whole space and learned about social impact and all these areas where social workers could work in that similar to you, I had no idea was actually a space for us. But essentially, yeah, it, it like international development teaches you about <laughs> how primarily white folks took the way they treated black people and put it across the world essentially. And so it's, it's a controversial field. I will say that I had a lot of moral and ethical um, concerns and questions still do about the field itself. Uh, And my initial plan actually was to work on the educational side. So work for study abroad programs uh, so Mm. I can help, prepare and teach students like myself in 2015 who are going abroad about all the external issues that we're just not aware of living in the U.S. for real and that was going to be my role Uh, but the the pandemic hit in in March 2020 so all those jobs I was applying for disappeared and that's how I actually ended up in remote work so I'd just like to say I feel cheated um (laughs) I mean what a world yeah, <laughs> what a world. Um, so I went to to college quite some time ago. Those um, not even options. Not it's not even. I don't even know exactly how to um, package the sentiment to verbalize the sentiment. Where it's like, on the one hand, I am, and this is totally not even travel related. We'll get there. But on the one hand, it's like, wow, that's fucking incredible, right? But then two, it's, I think more so with the difference that I'm seeing is just the awareness that non-traditional paths to higher education or just education in general exists. Like I went to college in 2003. So when I went, like the most exotic there was, was like, international business or and mind you mm-hmm. I know that that's not the case but I'm saying of my college experience right mm-hmm. when I went into it it was kind of like 
okay, like public relations, that's going to be like the little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you'll be able to talk to people and you'll do business, but you're not really just doing business. You get to be out and about. And that's where I thought I wanted to be in the show. And I had the briefcase and the whole shebang, but I am just so happy that there are, and I think also it could have just been like the schools that I was looking at in fairness is that I was looking at, I just wanted to get out. <laughs> I knew that before I went in. So I didn't necessarily go into it. So I know this is one episode that I'm definitely have some of my little cousins listen to just to have that awareness. Cause it's one thing for me to say it, but since I went so long ago, it's like for them, they'd be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then be back on their little phone. Totally right. get it. Babies. I understand. But thank you for that. Because that just, I'm gonna go on my own rabbit hole and like ticky tacky and Google all of that. But I feel like there are so many, especially because social work is one of those fields to my understanding Again, I'm nobody social worker, not what my degree was in, but my mother got her degree in social work. My mother was a social worker Mm -hmm. for quite some time before she started doing a bunch of other things. And one of the things that I know we've definitely discussed is the burnout. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I've been discussing with my best friend is that it's just one of those really draining and demanding and emotionally taxing jobs that people get so burnt out so quickly dealing with everybody else's problems. It's like you have your own on top of all of that. And I can see how dealing with that in that type of environment may also want you to, or not want you, but kind of have you lean towards wanting to change things, shake things up and just kind of not be, I don't want to say complacent, but for those of us that don't work in traditionally stressful environments, it's one thing to be like, okay, yeah, I hate my job, right? But then it's a different thing when the nature of your work is very emotionally taxing on top of being someone that is at different intersections and marginalized um, groups of life. So I can envision that people that are working in industries such as yourself, like social work and other uh, high stress industries that they would specifically be more inclined to want to leave the country for a myriad of reasons, but especially since you're hit on both ends, right? Like you don't have like that, Oof, at least I'm at work. Let me just dive into my work, something that I enjoy. Not to say that you enjoy it or not, but mm-hmm. you can't just dive into your work to escape the things that may be bothering you in regular life. So with all of that in mind, how did you decide that for professional reasons and outside of just like personal reasons and wanting to travel that the two were actually going to be the best option for you? That's a great question. I think part of it is just the family I was born into. Like my mom is really into community work. Like she's a minister by like profession, but she runs a two acre urban farm here in Milwaukee. Yeah. (laughs) And like she runs a community center. She has a co-op where she sells her herbal body products along with other uh, black, brown, and white entrepreneurs in a space. And then, like, my dad was a history teacher for 30 years. And then my stepdad. Yeah. And then my stepdad also did a lot of community and, like, workforce development work. So I think just being in that family, that's what I saw growing up. So that is just something I always knew I wanted. Did I think I would be a social worker? No. (laughs) Being a social worker was really just finding this program that seemed to blend all the things that I love together. Truly. I'm someone who follows like my passion. Like I didn't have a dream career. Like I knew I wanted to travel, right? I knew I wanted to continue to explore and just learn about the world, but it's really hard to find a career path that allows you to do that in a sustainable way. And also a career path where 
I think I was drawn to social work because of the community aspect. I think that was the one thing I learned about being abroad was like community is everything. And so being involved in the community was really important and just seemed like a pathway to blend all of my interests in one so that no matter what I did, I would be quote unquote qualified or, you know, whatever you want to call it really. And so that's how I ended up in social work. I thought I was, I applied to like anthropology, master's degrees, international education. Like I did all the things they tell you not to do when you're applying <laughs> to grad school, but that's because I saw myself in each of these professions. So it was like, okay, yeah. which one is really gonna like call my name? And funny, you mentioned international business. I had a friend of a friend who's actually recommended this program to me, but I only knew about it because I saw her on Instagram traveling in her grad program I'm like girl what are you doing yeah. like what what is this and she's like well since you're in americorps check out this international social work program and that's how i found it so i guess that's like a nod to representation on multiple levels yeah. of seeing black people doing things they love from my parents to that friend of a friend and then mm-hmm. doing my own research to figure out what path made the most sense for me and ironically i use my degree even though i'm not working abroad uh, a lot of the projects we consult on may involve um, international populations or okay. a research class I did that I didn't think I was going to use pops up or when I wrote proposals for an internship, I do that now. So even though it seems like a very zigzaggy career path, uh, for me, it actually makes so much sense in the most beautiful way. I'm, I love that for you. I love people that actually enjoy or at least find joy because the two are not, they're not the same. Um, I I enjoy coming across people that do enjoy or find joy in what it is they do. So I truly, it's like, you know, people say, oh, I love that for you. And then you can kind of feel like, bitch, you don't mean that. No, I do. I love this for you. I love this for all of y'all that actually like your shit, but I do enjoy this for you. So I'm pleased to hear that. Now, what was your, you said you didn't leave the country until the undergrad travel abroad experience. What was your relationship with travel before that? Like you saw, you said that you saw your parents um, engaged in the community. What was your view of travel? You had an idea of community, but what was it of travel? Right. So for traveling, I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Midwest girl through and through. Uh, but neither of my parents are from Milwaukee. So my mom is from Pittsburgh. My dad is from St. Louis and my stepdad's family came up through the great migration from the South Louisiana. So we were always on the road. So before I even really got on planes, because we did take plane trips occasionally, but I have seven siblings. And at the time, I think five of us were like around uh, very frequently. So we did a lot of road trips. So I would go Milwaukee to St. Louis, which is like six hours, Milwaukee to Pittsburgh, which is 12 hours, Milwaukee to Bastrop, Louisiana, which is like 18 hours, mm-hmm. Milwaukee to New Orleans. Like, so we were always on the road for like Thanksgiving or a summer vacation. We would go like to Wisconsin Dells, which is really popular up here. My mom was really big on us having like a summer trip or like spring break. We went to Arizona to see the Grand Canyon. So I got, so I think it's funny because a lot of black folks 
travel due to family, which people say is not a vacation. But for me, it was like that was a vacation. Going to visit my cousins in Atlanta was a vacation. Going to Pittsburgh was a vacation for me. So that's how I got accustomed to being on the road. Um, Also, my name is Sojourner. So mama knew something that I didn't at the time (laughs) as far as the traveler I have become. But I think also having that name, being named after Sojourner Truth, like knowing that history, knowing how she got her name. uh, She that, that was her her free name after uh, she got her freedom out of slavery, went from Isabella to Sojourner and she traveled and spoke her truth and advocated for women's rights. She's very underrated in black history and us history. If I do so myself, um, I'm as a bit well biased as though. Women's history as well. Yeah. And women's history too before women's mm-hmm. right to vote. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also knowing the history of her name gave mm-hmm. me a different perspective of traveling and like, okay. and that too, but it was really family. Like family being on the road. I can sleep anywhere at this point. Put me in a car, <laughs> put me in a train, a bus, put me outside camp camping. Like I can knock out anywhere because I just camping? got used to it. We so okay. <laughs> I love stories. That's so <laughs> So my mom was also really big into summer camps, which is also kind of how I got traveling a bit. Anytime my brothers and I mentioned that we had an interest. She would find a camp for us Ooh. that that summer. Oh, mama. Yeah, no, mama, mom, I love her. Shout out to Venus. Um, love her so much. But anytime we had it, yes. Oh, that's her. She's so cute. Um, but anytime yeah, we had an interest, like one year, I was really into like Project Runway and fashion design, and so she sent okay. me to. The University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, for like two weeks to do like a fashion design camp. So that's how I also got traveling too. But all I have to say, I did do some camping in Wisconsin through like 4-H. So it was like a okay. creative kind of camp. And it wasn't it wasn't like in tents. It was like more in cabins. Okay. okay. You know, so that's kind of, that was my introduction to camping, to be honest. I think now, like, I want to go, like, camping in Botswana. Like, I, like I'm like i not really a oh, camper camper. But okay. that sounds cool. Like, going to, like, northern Wisconsin was like, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, and, and this lake water, not put my head underneath there. Yeah, but, but, you know, like, the canoeing, all that kind of stuff, I, I got exposed to when I was younger as well. So my parents did a really good job of, like, exposing us to different things, which is not the story you often hear about right. folks from the Midwest, let alone Black folks, let alone from Milwaukee. So I'm really appreciative that they saw value in that and wanted us to kind of spread our wings ourselves. Yeah, I hope I could be that kind of parent. It's, I get, as an adult now, I get the amount of effort, something as simple as just looking up a camp yeah not not just like paying for it and then like getting you there just finding it you know what i mean like even as an adult finding stuff to do on my travels finding stuff to do around here if it takes me too many clicks or too many you know too much investigating i'm over it and this was like before the i mean granted the internet has been the internet for a while but Things weren't as immediate as they were now. So I'd assume that as children, it was much harder to find things. So shout out to parents. Y'all be doing the real work. Cause... Okay. Because mama didn't have like TikTok and, and sure not. Of, like of, like the five best camps for your kids. Like that stuff. Right. There not... weren't writers just pumping no. this out. It wasn't no. as very as um accessible. Yeah. So and like like I remember my mom having like map quests, like printing that out. Like that's Ooh. like like that's what we had. I lost. I've been... <laughs> 
with MapQuest, <laughs> baby. I've never had a sense of direction. You hear me? Ever. <laughs> the, these GPS, the phones, savior. My uh, personal savior. I agree. I'm like, I, I I can read a map, but if I have to choose, I'm going to whip out that phone in a heartbeat. I can read a map, but I ain't going to necessarily read it appropriately. That's <laughs> the difference. I remember one time I drove to, I think it was Virginia. It was, it was Virginia. I was going to see my cousin Brandy. Hey, babe. I got turned around coming out of the rest stop. I will never forget this. I had on a light blue juicy sweatsuit and I probably wore them hot pink Crocs. I was like, come on, juicy sweatsuit. That's an that era. That's still in my closet too. <laughs> I refuse to throw it out. But I got so freaking lost coming out of that McDonald's. I think I went the wrong way on the interstate. I went like north and I should have been going south, which should have been a six hour trip. Took me nine hours, bro. Nine fucking hours. And this was before you could just get on your phone. This is printed paper. You hear me? Printed paper. I was so lost in another person's style. I was so lost. <laughs> Baby, I lived. Oh, that was rough. That was rough. Put me back for a second. Glad to be here now in this Oh moment. my gosh. No. So, in terms of your beginning traveling, traveling to Spain for undergrad, how did you get into, not how did you get into, how did you decide as a college student that that was going to be the decision that you would make? When I looked into, and I asked all these questions from like my personal, my own personal experience. For me, that's just the easiest way to ask a question, right? So when I was in college, I was always hearing about, um, what do you call it? Uh, study abroad, do study mm -hmm. abroad. And the idea of, wow, I could be X, Y, and Z and learn this. And what, I don't know what the hell I was thinking study abroad was at the time. But then when it came down to actually filling out the paperwork, I immediately was like, oh, this is too much work and then dismissed it. What was it for you that you said, nah, this isn't going to be too much? What what, what were your personal feelings that made you say, oh, it's going to be worth the application process. It's going to be worth doing the research or asking questions. Or was it that it wasn't a difficult decision because it was actually, um, I don't want to say like given to you, but what, was it facilitated so that it was easy for you to navigate as a student? Yeah, I think it was a mix of both. So I came okay. in to undergrad knowing I wanted to study abroad because I had, so in Milwaukee, we actually have like a lot of like language immersion schools. Okay. I didn't go to them, but also that's also when a lot of our schools still had a lot of foreign languages. So I started learning Spanish when I was in the sixth grade. So it's been something that I've always, I had always wanted to go, but finances, like those little two week trips that they try to have uh -huh. are expensive. Like they're like expensive. And so for me, it was like, yeah. And so it was never something like the timing never worked or like the class fell through, et cetera, in high school. But I went to like the international baccalaureate program in high school and Spanish was like the language I did. So I was an IB Spanish one, I think. And the professor or teacher um, was like, well, when y'all go to college, make sure y'all study abroad because like y'all been learning it, but y'all really right. will be immersed. So it was, it was planted in my mind that I'm going to study abroad. Now I was like, okay, this almost D got me a little, little shaky <laughs> my freshman year, but I still went to the study abroad office because I had heard about this semester program in Granada, Spain. Like everyone who ever went on it had talked about it. I was like, let me go see. You know, weren't many of us at my college. I went mm -hmm. to a PWI. So I'm like, Same let girl. me just go 
figure it out. And so I went into the office and the minute they told me I could use my FAFSA to go, that was it. When they said like, oh no, you can go for a semester and that's like the same, yeah, the same price as you will be like here, but you're going abroad and I would school in Peoria, Illinois. So it was like, you know, I wouldn't be missing too much in a semester. Not love Peoria, like no shade at all. But, like, there's only so much you could do at, like, a mid-sized PWI. And so it was like, well, if I'm going to take a semester off, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and do it. So that's what I did. And a lot of my professors supported it. Like, I feel like when you study a language, they want you to go. So it was like, why aren't you going? You're going to be a major. So I feel like that additional support was like, let me go ahead and figure it out. The minute I, like, opened the brochure... It's all like all the smiling faces, and then mm-hmm. I was in I was in Granada, and they have the Moorish Castle, the Alhambra. I was like, that's beautiful. Like I was just enamored with everything, which ironic because I never wanted to go to Spain. I was always told like go to like Mexico or Peru or like Central or South America. It was mm-hmm. never like a Spain situation, but that's the only really like solid program my undergrad had so i'm like well i'm gonna go where y'all say i can i can go yeah yeah i'm like and y'all tell me i can use fafsa because they had like little two-week interim like j-term program it was like three thousand dollars and i didn't have that money but i did have scholarships like i would like i had that so i'm like let me use what i got and just kind of go for five months and that's what i did my parents like okay they didn't really i mean they they kind of knew it was gonna happen so they weren't gonna try to argue with me about it but they were just mm-hmm. like as long as you do paperwork got your ducks in the row like they like i did have like financial support for my parents in undergrad thankfully so definitely a privilege to have they right. were like if we paid the same tuition like they were like well it's just I you, you being in spain like it's whatever i learned later my, my uh, dad had a bit of hesitation but my mama, <laughs> they're like divorced they've noticed i was like two so it's like mm-hmm. if your mom supports it like go right ahead what's right. the situation <laughs> so you did study abroad through not just undergrad but in uh postgrad as well yeah yeah so part of another reason why i chose my program was because you can do an internship abroad and mm. i'm really i'm a virgo which i say that because when i say how much i plan people always ask me if i'm a virgo or not okay so if you believe in astrology I do align with that. I'm not like the expert on it, but I'm really big on planning. So for grad school, I knew I was like, okay, you studied abroad at undergrad. That was great. But let's study abroad in in, in grad school too. And that time I had also, in between then, I did my Fulbright in Spain. So I had already lived abroad too for a year teaching English. Yes. I went back after I studied abroad. So I had already had the experience. So I knew like whatever program I did, I'm going to go for a semester or summer whatever works. And then this program, I had done my research on the professor. So that's my number one tip. If you're going to grad school, you only got two years. It's not four years like an undergrad. Like you got two years to get it together, to map out what you need to do. And so I kind of had a plan. I looked at all the professors in the international concentration, see whose research and whose work I had best aligned with. I'm like, this one in Berlin sounds like me. I worked at a um, social impact like think tank. Uh, for girls in sport for development. So the founder, uh, Dr. Cameron, she had created like a boxing program in Berlin to help girls learn self-defense. And so then she was at the stage of like taking what she learned and then 
doing like the research, creating digital guides, et cetera, on why this is something that should be done. And so that was kind of my role when I did it, okay. which is why I could do it remotely because I don't need to be in person right. to compile research. information, research, communications, et cetera. Uh, and then I went for a summer. So I took her class uh, to learn about refugees and, so- and social services in in Berlin. And then after the class, I stayed the whole summer. So from May to August 2019, I was essentially in Berlin. Uh, and I was working with her doing 40 hours a week, doing like a nine to five kind of situation. And then going and exploring Berlin and other surrounding wow. cities and stuff after that. That's <laughs> again, I love this for you. <laughs> so question, yes. what do you think, if any, were the differences between you doing your undergrad traveling abroad and then your grad school traveling abroad? Maturity aside, right? Like just the types of schooling that they were. Would you say that there were any differences? And if so, what would those be? Yeah, I think the main difference was because they were in two separate, like two very different countries. Like Spain and Germany culturally are very different. Like uh, they have some similarities, like Spain loves wine, uh, Germany loves beer, you know, like, so there are little, (laughs) there are little things like that where you kind of can find similarities, but I think culture, they're very different. So that shaped my experience. I will say that being an undergrad in Spain was like romanticized. Like I was just obsessed with everything, like the Tinto, the Tapas, like it was just my first full on immersion experience. I was enamored with with Spain in a way where by the time I had went to Berlin, it was like I had traveled quite a bit. So it was like I got some more experience under my belt. But I think the biggest thing was the difference between studying abroad and like interning slash working in in a place. Like when you yeah. study abroad, the classes were not difficult, you know, because they, cause they mm-hmm. want you to learn outside the classroom. So I think that was the biggest thing was the relaxation oh, wow. that I had in Spain, like in Berlin. It was similar, like, but I was there to work, you know, like I was there yeah. to intern they to get, get a more, <laughs> yeah, a hands-on experience. And so that was different for me, but I wouldn't like, but aside from that, they were still very I was still, I still romanticized Berlin too, because it was my first time being in a big international city in okay. Europe. Um, I had like, where I, where I taught English, that was a smaller town in Northern Spain where they don't get many tourists. I was the first black teacher my students had. So it was a whole different experience too. So having wow. that in between study yeah. abroad and interning was also three very different levels, but I appreciated every single one of them, learned a lot at every single one of them. Uh, but I definitely think being in a big European city like Berlin was just, was amazing. And as well as being in Granada, like a mid-sized, like Spanish city was just like, this is all new. So it was new for very different reasons. But I think, yeah, the biggest thing was I was working. <laughs> I was <Right>. working. <laughs> you had that one time. Yeah, yeah. Road trips give you the flexibility of taking the most control of your itinerary. No airline delays or cancellations. You can sit in your own germs and move at your own pace. Whether you're looking for family-friendly or something romantic, history and heritage, or a foodie's delight, I've got you covered. Choose your trip based on the vibe or the distance you feel like driving. This pack includes D.C., Philly, Hartford, Burlington, and Montreal. All destinations are a few hours from New York City, 
so they're perfect for anyone along the East Coast to tap into. The download also includes a packing list, pre-trip car prep guide, and a playlist of travel and shit road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Head over to travelandshippodcast.com slash travel resources slash road trip to download your copy and take the stress of planning and packing off the table while you focus on the road. <laughs> so you had mentioned um, community and mm-hmm. your ideas of community from, you know, being young, but how do you, cause it's one thing to ask like how to find community abroad, but how do you immerse yourself in existing communities? Because that's one thing I think that um, gets a little, I won't say like construed, but like maybe just a little forgotten in a lot of the uh, expat conversations is that the community exists without you. Like the community is not for communities that you create, like, you know, black expat groups in different places like that. It like, it makes sense that that is a little bit different because that is a community that is designed specifically kind of to bring in new um, and like, however, for you to end up being in a different country for the long term, not just a visitor, not just somebody that is, you know, um, on a tour. So of course your tour guide is smiling and they're welcoming and they're introducing you to other people that are going to smile and welcome for the most part. But what is it like immersing yourself in other people's communities? Would you find that there is a different way or a different feel doing that abroad versus home? Oh, that's another great question. I think I think building community is difficult wherever you go. Difficult, not that it's impossible. It's just hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard to build community, even like in your hometown, right? When mm-hmm. people move back to their hometowns, like I have. You know, when I was a teenager, being a teenager here in Milwaukee is very different from being a working adult. So that, so I think that's already difficult. But then when you go abroad, because they're so used to people coming and leaving, it's hard to convince them to like be your friend. Like, I just want to like hang out, et cetera. But for them, it's like, what's the buy-in? <laughs> like, cause you're going to be gone in like four months, you know, like, is that really a sustainable friendship if you, if you never come back to Spain? So yeah. I think that's really the hardest part, but again, it's not impossible. I was able to meet people while I was abroad I think when I think working in a place and like being there longer term was helpful, like study abroad again was just like everything's amazing. And so it was a bit harder to make those connections. I was just so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with being there, but like in the best possible way. But I think when building a community, like when I was there for a year, it was difficult. Like I had, I did have roommates though, which was actually really helpful. So I had a Spanish roommate and her and I are still in contact with each other, like through social media and stuff. So I think that was the strongest community I was able to build was just with her, like sharing space together and being around. I think if I were to go back and do it again, I would have done more like sports I'm not a sporty girl like I work out but like I'm never been like a sporty girl but mm-hmm. I did like a photography class and that was really cool I was able to Ooh. meet folks through there when I was okay. when I was living abroad but I think really sports is always noted as like the universal language you don't need to actually speak the language 
like the language of the country to know how to play the sport. Because if you know how to oh. play soccer in the U.S., you can probably join soccer, a team. Soccer, soccer. Like, okay. you know, and so people always say sports like a universal language. So when you move abroad or you try to build community, join a mm-hmm. sports team or do something athletic, because even if y'all don't speak the same language, y'all speak the physical Enough. language yeah. of, okay. of, of that sport. So then you can pick it up. So I think that's what I would do differently. But joining classes, going to community centers, I became like a regular in different places so at different cafes i would go there all the time and eventually you know people are like oh well she comes in here all the time let me talk to her that was another way me and um you know spain is known for their pastries me and my pastry lady became real real good friends because i would always get the little the little chocolate pastry so eventually i learned her name it was like i think her name was blanca and so like her and i would have little conversations so i think the other part is just reestablishing or relearning what it means to build a community because it was it would have been an unrealistic expectation to think I would build the same community abroad that I would have Good in point. the U.S. Like that's just not a realistic expectation given the time frame, given the language barrier. Uh, me, my host mom in Spain, Bernarda, love her too. She was like, "Your Spanish is getting better." Like two, like two months in, because that Southern Spanish accent was so different from what I was used to. So it took me more time to understand her. But I think we don't. In order to build community, you need to give yourself time. And the way a lot of programs are set up, like you. Either you get the ball rolling the the day you get there or you kind of it may take a bit a bit longer depending upon who you are. And I feel like um, when you go abroad for the first time, it can be like, okay, hold on now. Let's let's figure this out first and then kind of jump into the community building. But there are different ways to go about it. But um, but it's beautiful when it does happen. I will say that when you when you know that if I was in Spain, I could text my spanish roommate and be like hey girl i think i'm gonna do a little spanish sure i may stop through and like it will be a whole a whole reunion so it's it i i don't i don't think it's easy i don't think it's easy and i feel like i would have loved to stay in one place for longer but again freedom of movement i just like to move around and not stay in a place too long so that also kind of hinders community sometimes (laughs) in, in building that but those classes becoming a regular getting involved in sports uh going like the same bars too when you go abroad mm-hmm. if you you like get to know the bartenders like during the week if you go out during the week and on the weekend and stuff like that too it's just very different ways to to build community if, if you're going to spain i'll if i were again to go back and do it all over again i would try to become a bartender because okay. everyone everyone wants to be friends with the bartender right right so then yes, you have to actually you had to talk to me right so i could have practiced my spanish and also learned how to make drink like it would have been an interesting way to build community so i don't know if anybody listening still in college want to study abroad that's what i would do that's that's what i would tell 2015 me was go be a bartender go go do that that. to kind of get immersed in the or like or like help them promote their bars you know be with people outside the club saying hey right do do, you want to come to this bar we got two for one drinks (laughs) like like it also forces you to like learn the language right yeah because part of building a community is speaking that same language but if you don't speak the language it's hard to to bridge that gap i like those and i gotta say that those were really great suggestions like i never had a remote or long-term uh experience abroad so 
in fairness to me, I've not had reason to think of those things, but really great <laughs> ideas. I especially like the whole just becoming a regular because I feel like that's the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't necessarily want to put yourself out there or if you're like pinching pennies or your time is strapped, right? Like mm-hmm. same, never really been a sports girl. I don't like losing. That is my personal reason. Uh, so I don't necessarily engage in things that I don't think that I can. I don't engage in competitive things that I don't think that I can uh, win in because I'm not a great loser. Um, don't think I'm a sore loser, to be clear. I just don't fucking like it. So I don't do it. Um, so I reached out because you had such a bomb thread on Twitter. And the thread essentially was, tips and resources to use your school and career opportunities to travel. So we've been, we've touched on the the school end of it. Would you have any career advice for we got the babies, we got them. We got them in order. Good luck to y'all. I'm sure that um anyone will be willing with uh other resources and ways to help should you have them. But for us grown folks, the post school or the I didn't go to school or the well this is where I'm at now what do you have for us what are your suggestions yes so obviously I chose an international career for a reason right I figured if it had the word international in front of it that means I could at some point travel so there are a lot of different careers obviously I've talked about international social work international business is another big one international education uh, is another one. Obviously, those aren't careers where you may be traveling full time, but if you want some right. trips here and there, I think looking for any career that has international in front of it is a surefire way to decide to uh, to get the opportunity to go abroad. And if you don't do that, I think there are other ways around it. Conferences, everybody, or not everybody, a lot of people have like professional development funds at work, or you can say, or it's an easy way to propose to your job, like, hey, there's this conference happening. Can I go to it and then, you know, come back and give a presentation at work about what I learned? You know, there are different ways to kind of get around it. Remote work is all the rave, right? Everyone's talking about yeah. remote work. So that is, I think, the best way to quote unquote study abroad as an adult because you get paid. Um, I was broke <laughs> when I studied <laughs> abroad. So I think if you have the opportunity to work remotely, take it. That's another great opportunity, though I will say be mindful of time zones when you do that because you still have yeah. to work. Uh, uh, people always ask me why I don't work from like Thailand. I'm like, because have you seen the time difference? Yeah. <laughs> um, like Central and South America are a bit more my speed right now due to the time zone. So I will say that for remote work. Also, even though I did Fulbright after undergrad, international fellowships aren't just limited to like undergrad students um there's a website called profello which i mentioned in that thread that Mm -hmm. if you put in uh your discipline what places you want to go to like all the information it can show you different fellowships in your career path right and i know a a lot of people are like well i don't want to go for a year they have like short-term ones they have long-term ones and also fulbright what i did you can do as a professional they have different programs so don't don't rule out fellowships because some of them do are made for mid-career professionals who maybe are looking for a break, right? Or who want to kind of pivot into a different area. You can do a fellowship to kind of see if that's the area you actually want to go into. So I think Pro Fellow is one of the most underrated 
websites. Um, and Dr. Vicki Johnson is the founder of it. Um, I, I used to write for them for a little side cash when I was in grad school. So I definitely think they're dope people to be connected with. Um, but I would say those are some of my main ways. And then mm-hmm. if you want to just, you know, leave your job uh, there are people who also do like uh sabbaticals i don't know if you follow um vicaria so stephanie perry and then rashida dow they're known for like yes. house sitting and all of that i've seen people do that and just take whole career breaks like save up money and decide hey i'm kind of done with this and actually do like an adult study abroad and just kind of go yes. on their own and travel uh there's also a bunch of different go abroad i think you need a remote job for a lot of them but different programs like sojourn i've heard of where you can kind of go abroad for a little bit uh and do like the co-living situation so i mean it takes some creativity I'm not gonna lie it takes some creativity uh but if you want to totally up in your career those are different ways you can do it and then the ways that are a bit more accessible i think for uh nine to fivers is looking at your calendar it's the what at the time is what January 2023 seeing when those federal holidays are tacking on Mm -hmm. an extra day in the beginning or the end I think is one of the easiest ways to to definitely make it work um I have very generous vacation time in my current job so I don't have to do as much as I used to but that was Mm -hmm. my former hack of like okay I can I have however many weeks to go abroad but what if I tack on a day before Memorial Day and like a day after to kind of create a long weekend. Uh, you, you may not fly halfway across the world during those mm-hmm. time frames, but I think traveling in the U.S. is also really cool. I'm, I'm known for my train rides. I've taken the one from Chicago to California. Uh, it was it was three days on the train. So oh. it was <laughs> everyone's reaction. It was a whole yeah. experience. So there's like the ways to get creative with your travel too. Like if you don't, have those extended week-long vacations just figure out okay what days do i have what pto do i have like what's your vacation time situation and trying to figure out how you can tack on days and extend days and use those holidays to your advantage i um i'm a big fan of that um Mm -hmm. i just took the week before martin luther king day off one because at my job uh january is the easiest month for me to get time off so I always take a week in January and more often than not I will take that week before or the week of for that very reason Mm -hmm. I I don't like give me the extra day because at least this way you can come back on a Sunday um we love a good road trip over here we have done I don't even know how many road trips we've done we've done a lot I don't fucking know um but (laughs) for those of you on the east coast I've got a handy digital download for you um five different cities five different vibes you choose i'm gonna put a link to that in there um because to your point like you don't have to do big travel to travel right you don't have to do international travel or you don't have to do extended travel like you don't have to do two weeks in a destination to be able to appreciate a destination i'll say one of the places that we went for like i think the quickest trip that we've taken was we went to Portland, Maine. We ended up having just some flight dollars that uh, need needed to be spent. And I've heard incredible things about Maine, oddly enough, Portland in particular, the food mostly, food and the beer. That's generally what we fuck with when we travel. Mm-hmm. And we flew out Saturday morning, came back Sunday night. 
quickest turnaround. But when I tell you we had the best, absolute best fucking time. And honestly, it's Portland, Maine. I didn't need any more time. So like, <laughs> keep in mind also, like, think about the little destinations that, oh, it's cute. I want to check it mm-hmm. out. But do you need a full week there? Probably Maybe not. not. You know what I mean? Take advantage of the two days, the extra third day. If you do have an extended, um, like a holiday weekend coming up, President's Day about to be here. Um, amen. I have both presidents and whoever the other president was. It Lincoln's birthday or was it? Uh, I think it's Lincoln's birthday is the second President Day we get. Oh no, don't really care. I'm not going to be at work. That's what matters. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, y'all can celebrate whoever y'all choose to celebrate. <laughs> it's a not work day for me. Use right. those days to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Also, because traffic, traffic, travel is so much more than vacation. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily have to be an ornate and expansive trip. If you just need a moment to kind of clear your mind and you know that for you, a change of scenery is going to do that. Going to say your homegirl's house generally might be your change of scenery. And that's great for like a Tuesday wind down or like a Friday pick me up like, woo girl, rough week. Thanks for the moment. Sometimes you might just need a little weekend. Sometimes you might need a little bit of an extended time away from the normal stresses of life. And short trips, road trips, train trips are absolutely options available to you. Um, there are also, I'm certain, tons of like um, shorter work trips people yeah. could tap into, like yeah. work obligations. Even if you can find a way to pitch someone in HR or whatever department is going to approve this for you, consider a non-traditional path. I Mm -hmm. didn't even consider that there would even be fellowships for bigly people, like grown, not in school Mm -hmm. people. So consider that your job just might agree to some shit you might not have considered they would agree to. If you find something that is tangentially related, pitch it. Make it sound good and give a reason why it's going to be beneficial to the organization mm-hmm. or to the group as a whole and give it a motherfucking shot. Mm-hmm. I would add to... Oh, no. please do. No, yeah, I would add to... So this, like, for one of my breaks we had at work, I did, like, an East Coast trip. So I went Baltimore, Philly, New York. And because we had a work trip on Boston, I only paid for, like, the one way because then oh. I ended up going to Boston straight from New York because I was... Uh, we already had to be over there. So it was like, well, let me just plan a trip over there so that I can kind of go. So like, that's also a way to use it. If you know you have a work trip, if you do travel for work, yeah, see if you can go maybe like a little before, a little after. So maybe you'll uncover one of the flights instead of both mm-hmm. of them. And then the other thing that actually I'm doing this year is traveling for festivals in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think I've always, I did like a four month just traveling to different U.S. cities last year. And that was really fun. But this year I want to go to festivals. I think those are make really good trips because you're going for a certain point. Like if you yeah. have been to a city already, right? You mm-hmm. may not want to go back to like New York if you if you only want to see like Times Square, which I hope you want to see more of New York City than Times Square. But <laughs> but i'd say don't bother but if you make it this right far, right right y'all. just say but but let's say they have a festival you want to go to that gives you a different reason to go to say like I, I plan on going to the black food truck festival in charleston yes. this mm-hmm. year and then they have the other one in charlotte and i haven't yeah. i've been to charleston have been to charlotte so like that's a, also a really fun trip to have and again you don't wait it's in charleston this year the black food truck festival is in charleston yeah Cause I feel and, like I know one of the girls that does their, um, like their design team, 
Mm-hmm. And I keep seeing her post it. I'm like, oh, that'd be so cute. I want to go. But then it's just like, mm-hmm. I know. I want to go because, like, go now. Charleston, me, Charleston, I didn't have a good first impression when I went. So, like, this is also a chance for me to go again. Try again. The, yeah. the aura of racism in, in Wisconsin is strong. It was very mm-hmm. potent in okay. Charleston That's for me. About Nashville. Yeah. So I've been maybe three times at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, for me. so you know, I'm kind of going to be with the black folks this time to be more, more over there to see what you know their community because it looks really fun mm-hmm. on Instagram. So, I, yeah. also, <laughs> I, also, I love food, so I will travel for food. So, I feel like that's also another great way to kind of go out and just, and you don't need a full week to do that. A festival right. is like two days, so it's yeah. really like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday situation. So you don't. You need to really take off that much work if you did like an after, a after a work flight, which tend right. to be cheaper if you take the later ones or like mm-hmm. the super like red eye early ones too. And I think that the beautiful thing about going for a festival is that it kind of forces you into more of a, um, not organic, but more of an authentic experience of a place and kind of yeah. allows you to kind of veer away from the traditional touristy kind of activities and destinations you're mixing with a bunch of locals granted Mm -hmm. not to say that um tourists don't show up for festivals but a festival is one of those things that is even going it's it's going to generate local buzz as well so people are going to show up for it it's a perfect opportunity to find out hey i'm staying in x y and z area or if i do come visit this city where do you suggest i go where do the locals eat what do the locals do like i know that um let me think of a state. Um, all right. Uh, Michigan, Detroit, huge. Everybody goes to Detroit if you're going to go to Michigan, but where else in Michigan would you suggest that somebody visit, right? Mm-hmm. Little things like that. Use the opportunities to find out for something a longer trip might placate for you, or even just in terms of making the right communicate, uh, not communications, connections. I keep telling y'all, talk to people when you travel. I've met some of the most incredible yeah. people just randomly. And I don't mean... This, and I and I always say this, and I low-key wish that some of y'all knew me, like, personally a little bit, just to kind of understand, like, why I say it so frequently. Like, I'm not not a people person, because I think, like, hosting a podcast, you would naturally just think that I'm a very um, talkative <laughs> person, just like, I want to run up to people on the street, like, hey, how are you? Really? What's going on? Let's, let's talk. Not me at all. As Very, long as you're not one of people who like, so what do you hate about Americans? Like, I oh, those, yeah, nah, I'm those not that girl. I don't like. <laughs> not that girl. Because I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Because chances are, we agree. Chances are, I too dislike that same thing. So not even going to bring it up because of the off chance that you already think that about me. I would rather just hopefully... Um, keep you in the bubble, in the me bubble, in the D bubble. I'm who you're interacting with. I'm who you're dealing with. Let's keep it there and leave the rest of the Americans out of it. And when I tell you that I am not exactly, um, I'm a kind person. I'm not exactly like a nice person, if that makes sense. Like I've heard people say the difference between New York and LA. Like I care about people genuinely. So I'm not about wasting your fucking time. You know what I mean? Pleasant. Hey, good morning. Good afternoon. I was raised well, but I'm not very much so the um, need to know your life story kind of thing. Just be nice. And I think that's most of what I'm trying to express to y'all is that 
talking to people isn't necessarily bearing your entire soul or asking intrusive questions. It's being pleasant. Good morning. How are you? If you find the little in to laugh at something that just recently happened nearby, if you find the in to ask a question that's been, wait, so do you guys normally order coffee with every meal or is it just like a dinner thing? Random to you, but you'd be surprised when somebody answers back. How do you know if they don't own a fucking coffee shop, right? And they say, well, yeah, we do it every meal. I actually do it as a special. Why don't you come down and check it out? My shop's right here. Stranger things happen, folks. And sometimes you might want something stranger, but not for me to decide for you. That being the case, talk to randoms. Yeah. I don't know about in regular life, but vacation is fun. And it's even better too. Like I was just in Mexico City for a little bit, and like I speak Spanish. Traveling mm-hmm. like to Latin America is actually one of my favorite things to do. Like to use it all the time. And the best convos I have are the one I have in Spanish. Like it really like like talking to people is beautiful. It's even more beautiful mm-hmm. when you talk to them in their language. They're just like, oh my gosh, like you speak Spanish. Like that's just because. Unfortunately, like a lot of tourists don't. Yeah. And so I can't do that everywhere. Okay. I only speak English, <laughs> Spanish, and Abe. Those are the only two languages I got. Uh, Abe. Abe. African American vernacular. English. Oh, girl. I speak back people. Okay. <laughs> All right, bitch. I'm bilingual too. <laughs> That's in that dictionary. Go ahead. Yeah. But, um, but I think it's also beautiful to make those connections. And mm-hmm. I've done them through hand gestures like you know there are people yeah. who yeah. also want to learn english so they're like can i just hang out with you and so that's happened too but i think there is beauty when you're able to go somewhere else and just talk to people in in, in like in the way that they're comfortable right because they're comfortable in their own language and so i've had so i had really a lot of really great comments with uber drivers <laughs> when yes. i was in when, yes. when i was in mexico city they also have the best recommendations um, mm-hmm. as well as well as security guards and I stay in hostels so the, like the security guards or like the front desk people in hostels also mm-hmm. have really great recommendations um, but yeah definitely not being afraid to talk to random people has yes. worked well in my favor thus far fingers crossed knock on wood that, right. that continues <laughs> and I will also suggest on to add on to your um, taxi drivers and like front front desk people my favorite is waiters waitresses bartenders because they're already Mm -hmm. talking to you you don't need to you're not interrupting them you're not being a bother you're not boring to them like this is part Mm -hmm. of their bag this is Mm -hmm. what they do so i always go in and i ask well what do you recommend what do you eat if like i i love beer but i will always ask my waiter waitress or my bartender well do you drink ipas or do you first of all i just ask if they drink And then I'll ask them, all right, well, if we're talking beer, do you drink IPAs? What do you suggest? Or if we're talking cocktails, it's like, all right, well, what do you drink? You dark, you light. What, what, what are, what are our flavors? Where am I going with this? And people love to, and people like talking about themselves. So if you ask Mm -hmm. someone for their recommendation, that's the easiest end. That is one of my personal ways to get people talking. And it also, also, when you ask your servers and people that you have to interact with, it also keeps them from doing too much talking because they're also still at work. So if you don't want to just randomly strike up a conversation with somebody next to you um, when you don't know how long you'll be waiting for something. And now it's like, now you have like an attached friend. Like now this person is just like, sometimes you run into the people that like really want to go in and you just wanted to be like, Hey, I like those shoes. Those are really cute. Oh yeah. You got them from there. Really? Okay. Wow. 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 That's really cool. That's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, so oh, okay. We're still talking. <laughs> yeah. Ready to go read my book, but. I like asking the people that you know the conversation isn't going to last forever. And if you wanted it to last forever, what's your IG? Do you have a Twitter? You can always continue that conversation, but you're not necessarily, um, you know, you're not committing yourself to more than you would want to. And that's from someone who doesn't always talk to people, but does enjoy people. It's it's a weird yeah okay it makes no that's i mean that's real and to anybody who asks you like if you're i've had comments with folks who like i've been going to a store and they're like checking out like oh like is it your first time in x country i'm like yeah 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 like oh my god well welcome that's also invitation to Mm -hmm. sometimes because if they already are curious about like what you're doing there you can also yeah like so do you have any recommendations you know i kind of read a little bit but i'm just interested like what would you like what are things you would do right um or you would recommend here is another great way Mm -hmm. where shouldn't i go what should i avoid i know that that's one of those things that sometimes you ask for the recommendations of things to do. Sometimes asking what not to do or where not to go can also be of use. I'll never forget in Peru, my uh, taxi driver was dropping me off and he was asking like, oh, well, what time do you want to come back? And I'm, oh, man, I don't know. Well, what do you suggest? I'll be here at five o'clock. You don't want to be here after dark, sir. Meet me at 430. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. And then I had another driver in... No, he was Costa Rica. Peru was the guy. He was so sweet. I got a picture of him someplace. I wish I had like a way to get in contact with him. He was a real one. He was like, gave real grandpa vibes. You know what I mean? Like, Aww. take the picture for you. Take a picture. I'm going to slow down, do a little U-turn so you can see the, um, what do you call yeah. them? The murals and stuff. Get and the, the whole time, he's driving me to, um, I don't even know where the hell I was going. Maybe to get something to eat. He was very... Don't go this way. When you go across this, I'm going to drop you here. But if you want to go to the other place I was telling you, don't be on your phone. Put your phone away. Go straight there. Come straight back. Then you can use your phone. But if you go this way, do not. And I'm like, yo, grandpas, thank you. You would be surprised at the information you can get by just availing yourself to kindness. That's it. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. So, Sojourner, is there anything else you would like to leave the good people with? <sighs> Don't let these jobs and your school run you, okay? I'm all, I, people will put me under the category of overachiever, you know? But I just think that I was not put on this earth to just stay in an office, to pay rent even. So if you can stay at home for as long as you can to save some money, like I have been doing in this pandemic where the rent has gone here, it's been going up and down do it but no for real i just really think that there are ways to make travel work for us again doesn't have to be elaborate i'm gonna go to a luxury villa and a safari in kenya like that is something beautiful to aspire to um i put south africa on my list back when i was teaching english in spain in 2016 2017 i just went in 2022 so like it's great to have those dream bucket list places but there are a lot of different ways to travel, different types of traveling you could do. And so don't get discouraged. You know, there's a lot of world to see, a lot of world to experience. Um, and you'll you'll get there, right? You may not get to every single country in the world, but you're going to see some really beautiful things either in your own country, in your own city or abroad. And when you do, it'll be it'll be a wonderful experience. 
um, for sure, because it it is changed so much mm-hmm. for me, and I and I've done about every type of travel you can think of, and I and I find beauty in all of it for sure. That's one thing I definitely want to agree with you on is that there's beauty in all of it, even the trips that don't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. When stuff goes wrong, things don't go your way. You miss something, you lose something, you find something, you gain something. Like it, everything for yeah. your favor. The universe yeah. will work in your favor. Trust your gut and take the risk. Mm-hmm. And follow so the flight deals. And what? And follow the flight deals, okay? If you yes. don't have an actual bucket list, just get a, get, a, get on a little email list. I think Scott Sheet Flights is now called Going. Mm-hmm. Get on his premium list. It's like $39 a year. Just see what those interna- see what those flights are looking like. They do international and domestic. If you don't have a full-on bucket list and you kind of just want to follow wherever mm-hmm. is cheapest, that's a great list to join to kind of create your own little travel adventure too. And as a follow-up to that, if you are unable to plan travel like far in advance due to family work limitations or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to plan the trip and then accommodate your time. You can also plan a trip that accommodates for your time. Figure out when you can go someplace. Mm-hmm. A lot of people plan their trips based on where they want to go. They say, I want to go to France. And so they just spend weeks or months or days or whatever looking for the best time to go to France, where to go to France, pl- um, prices, places, all that jazz, right? Not everybody has that ability, but if you do know when you will be off, what's what's available to you then what is accessible mm-hmm. to you during that window um scott's cheap what is it the new one it's called, it's called going that. now i think so going is great when you have the time and then you can like well you have more of the destination centered search right but if you can't necessarily go that way i personally love google flights and mm-hmm. what was the other one i did um skyscanner you could put in the date yeah. And then it'll just tell you all the motherfucking flights that are available to you at that time. And you just pick what you want to spend your money on. So there are a lot of different ways for you to figure out travel for you. So you just got to tap into what method is going to work for you. So um, I'll see for me. Sojourner, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Gracias. Thank you so much. Para gracias. su tiempo. Ah, gracias. Um, <laughs> Girl, that's it. I can say hello very well. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> yeah, I can understand it better than I can speak it. I ain't gonna sit here and try to embarrass myself. I appreciate you for your time. Thank you so very much for joining us. I'm gonna absolutely have um, the link, first of all, to that thread in the description box, as well as website to Sojourner. Um, are you open to people reaching out to you if you have any, if they have any questions or um, looking for resources or anything in terms of travel or anything? Yeah. So if you look so look up so journeys, you'll find me because no one else has that name as of now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm at the so journeys on Instagram and then TikTok, YouTube, Twitter is just at so journeys. Um, I'm also, but be mindful. I'm a one woman show. So if I don't respond to your DM right away, don't come yelling at me. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a nine to five too, but, uh, but yeah, feel free to DM me and I try to check my DMs on a weekly basis just to make sure I'm answering everybody. Um, I'm also available via email. If you have a longer request uh, uh, at contact at sojourneys.com. If you have a, want to talk to me more in depth 
uh, email could also be a good way to get in touch. But yeah, I'm I'm visible. Okay, I'm not hiding my digital footprints everywhere. So if you want to contact yeah, me, yeah. you can find me. <laughs> All right, so I'll definitely have um, the links to her website in the description box so that you can get to all of her channels and um, respectfully reach out should you have um, reasonable questions.